0: Welcome to Adapt Nation, the podcast that dives into all things self optimization and self discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katarzy, and today we have keto and animal based advocate, muscle building expert, and doting dad, Danny Vega, join us for an incredible discussion around keto, kids' health, traditional nutrition, and addressing the health issues. Of our modern processed and plant heavy western diets so danny vega is most well known for his enthusiasm for the ketogenic diet and how he has successfully integrated this nutritional lifestyle within his loving family and in the gym he runs a successful blog and podcast called the fat fueled family definitely go check that out with his wife maura and his kids even have their own Instagram page showcasing their nutrient-dense, low-carb diet, which is awesome. Danny is the real deal, guys. He's honest, caring, and genuinely motivated to help people understand the practicality of thriving on a very counterculture way of eating. He also defies the narrative that you cannot build muscle on a keto or low-carb diet because He's jacked. Go check him out on his Instagram page. So on that point, Danny has teamed up with prior adaptation guest, Ben Pekulski, to design and successfully implement a nutritional and training regime for people wanting to maximize muscle growth whilst on a ketogenic diet. There's a link below to learn more, but we did agree that we'll do a part two soon on exactly that. This is an amazing conversation as I knew it would be Danny is just such a likeable and compelling character and is totally grounded on what actually works and what's best for you and your family. We of course cover a ton, which is what you expect from me, right? And Danny does call out some great insights from over 17 leaders in nutrition and the fitness space, all of which are linked below in the show notes. So is Danny's website, social links and the Fat Fueled Family podcast. To get a full sense of what we talk about, do check out the show notes, it covers it all. But here are some of the highlights. So we talk about kids' health and nutrition quite a lot, both being parents and wanting our kids to thrive. So we talk about how to positively integrate your children into your nutritional lifestyle choices. We talk about how to help kids increase their nutritional autonomy whilst making the very best decisions for themselves as well as things such as what's the deal with these crummy restaurant meal kids menus it's just ridiculous and we both rant about that and a lot more in regards to kids health. We also talk about keto obviously uh, we define keto in Danny's view and we understand Danny's diet as well as just some general principles around ketogenic diets. So, Danny shares with us what he eats today and his nutritional non-negotiables. We also learn how and why Danny includes carb ups in his otherwise ketogenic diet and we get to understand why Danny is a fan of the carnivore diet and what is carnivore 75 hard. But this conversation isn't just about keto, it's also about respecting traditional wisdom and ancestral nutrition both of us get on our soapboxes a little uh, as to how we have completely abandoned the nutritional knowledge that we've built up over hundreds of thousands of years and how it's about time we start respecting what our ancestors done and how they helped us thrive and be the people we are today. So we do talk a little bit about that. And then, hey, look, we do spend a bit of time just putting some caution towards the plant-heavy nutritional dogma that we're all completely exposed to today, and how we seem to have nutritional guidelines backwards, especially around the priority of plant-based food groups making up the majority of what's on our plates. I know you're going to dig this conversation. I know you're going to love Danny Vega, and you're going to want to go check him out, follow his stuff, listen to his podcast. But for now, let's get into this fantastic, engaging, and highly relatable conversation with my man, Danny Vega. well danny man it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the mic um as i said to you just offline i've been following your stuff for a while and um i don't know if everyone knows about you yet but they should um what i have kind of what i sense people know you best for danny is the fact that you're the the muscle building keto guy. You're an advocate and speaker of keto and low carb diets. You're a doting father. I think that comes across in spades. And <laughs> that's you're, for sure. You're part of uh something you call the fat-fueled family. And you've got a podcast, YouTube channel, blog. Is that about right?
1: Yeah, you nailed it, man. That's pretty much it. I mean, if if people had if I had to say, you know, what what people what I think people should know me for, it would definitely would be you know this focus on animal-based diets, um, low-carb nutrition, of course the the fitness and intelligent training, and then lastly the 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 way we integrate all of this into our family uh, lifestyle. And we just try to share as much as possible on our channels so that people can see how this looks like practically. Because I think a lot of people they get excited, they go online, they learn a bunch of new stuff, and then. Something happens, you know. Something happens where you know they go back to, they go to a a, either a conference or they go to something and they get excited, and then it's back to the real world, and then they don't know what to do when these things when the you know rubber hits the road, so to say. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to just get them to apply that knowledge and not just you know take the what what they learn from you know an infographic or a conference and just put it into practice, man, because it's much less daunting than people think it is. And that's what we're trying to show.
0: I think you're doing a great job of that. And what I like specifically is there's a there's a transparency, um, an honesty, and of course, really, really strong kind of family tone to the stuff you do. And I think that's really important. I know not everyone's got kids, not yet, or, you know, they're not at that point in their life. But to see how you apply what you believe is the the best most practical way of you know living optimally living your best and how you're extending that beyond you know the you know maybe an obsessive or kind of geeky nature but you're extending <laughs> that into your family in practical real world day-to-day like how how do you just run your life day-to-day and I, I I get a sense that you're willing to share that and be honest when things aren't working as well and I applaud you for that because there isn't enough of that kind of transparent honesty there's a lot of um you know a lot of people spout in what they know and how people should live, but exposing how they actually live, waltz and all, what works great and some of the things that don't, and you know be willing and open minded to change your opinion your or your tact to make sure that you feel good and your family feel great. That's brilliant, man.
1: Well, thank you, man. I'll just say that you know the, the a lot of this stuff is trial and error, and I think it's important for us to show that you know when it goes wrong, when it goes right. But then, of course, the other thing is that, you know, people just don't know how to put this stuff into practice. You know, I think that's what it is: is people don't know how to put it into practice, and and we want to show that that it's easy to do. You know, as once you start getting some momentum, you know, it takes time, but all these things start to happen. You know, you keep sharing these things with your kids, you keep, you know, uh, exposing them to different foods, and like for me, in the in the food department, it's a win. To get them to try something in the first place and that's one thing my boys are always trying stuff you know do they like it all the time absolutely not but at the fact that they're they're still trying is great because in three months there may be something that they didn't like today that they like in three months and so it's that constant just that um process that we're trying to do and and just trying to get better and never being stagnant i mean that's that's the goal always
0: and how old are your boys
1: so my my oldest is eight, and I just dropped him off at his Lego robotics class, which nice. is awesome. Um, and then my youngest is five years old, and right now he's with my wife at the gym.
0: Oh, cool! Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got um, two young kids, two girls. They're practically the same age, nine and six. Oh, um, that's so
1: great! That's great, oh, man. That's
0: amazing, man. They, they fill you but with nothing but joy. Uh, my oldest is uh, is what I think will be a professional swimmer she's just caning it in oh, the swimming pool, it. and the little one is a gymnast and you know what over the last year year and a half as I've started to bleed my you know dietary choices onto the family so, somewhat unwillingly <laughs> initially uh, but now you know the place we're at is very similar you know we've got young kids who appreciate nutrient density, get excited about steak, get excited about eggs, get excited about animal-based nutrition. I can see they're thriving mentally, physically, cognitively, emotionally. And it's just beautiful to see that, you know, bright skin, no ailments, they just seem to be thriving. And yeah, what, what a great feeling to know that, you know, you're moving beyond the kind of standard diet, the standard dogma of how we should be let kids be kids with candy and you know just eating crap because they're kids and they should do because that's what we've been marketed and you know pushing against the grain you know trying new things and as you try new things and you persevere your kids don't just feel good they start to love it
1: and that's amazing (laughs) that is amazing man and you i mean the fact that you're doing it the fact that we're doing it it just goes to show that you know we're not we're not special in any way we these are things that anyone can do. And, um, you know, my kids, I mean, I'm just so proud of them like that. They, they appreciate this stuff. They now I'll tell you this in the spirit of keeping it real. Like on Friday, we went to this thing called November fest. It's a yearly, uh, tradition for us. This is our fifth year that we go and we go with our friends who are also a keto family. Their daughter's also a swimmer like yours. And, um, she has been strict like the last three years and she doesn't, you know, the mom doesn't let her cheat, which I totally appreciate. You know, she has to say no a lot more cause she goes to school and my boys don't. So she has, those muscles are just in better shape than my boys. So Friday night, you know, my, at the end of the night, we're about to leave and my oldest wants a funnel cake and he gets emotional and I'm just like, man, you know, I don't want him to be missing out. So I broke one of my rules because one of my rules is that I don't, you can, this is your body. You can put whatever you want it to it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to support it financially. And I, I broke that rule and I bought him a funnel cake on Friday. Um, and you know, my, my two boys shared the funnel cake. They both, you know, Dean, the youngest was a little bit off the chain on Saturday. They both had cravings on Saturday. And all we did was just just highlight that and just Mm. uh, in those conversations, make sure that they they're aware of that and they're mindful of that. Because when they grow up, this is something that all parents need to know, like they're going to be out of your control eventually. And, you know, you have to think about that and you have to think about you have to trust what you're teaching them, because whether or not they follow what we're doing as as children, um, what we're doing with them as children, At least, at the very least, when they grow up, they're going to know that when they feel like crap, that they can fix it and they're not going to feel hopeless and they're not going to feel like they're beholden to this, you know, uh, sick care system for the answers. They know that they can can go find those answers on their own. And to me, that's more than enough, you know.
0: I, I completely agree. I mean, they're in our control for a finite period of time. And hey, once they get into their teens, even though they're still under our roofs, they're, you know controlling them is going to get a lot more difficult, right? I can only anticipate that.
1: <laughs> um, yep, we got to mentally prepare for that.
0: Absolutely, right? But we had a similar experience. I know you guys do Halloween significantly bigger than we do over here in the uk (laughs) um but you know we we, we're cottoning on to the american traditions Uh, and we had our girls going trick-or-treating and they you know got a massive you know bag full of sweets and and they were excited to get stuff because it's all about collecting right it's knocking on the doors and getting stuff and you know how big a collection of sweets did you get and they brought them back and we said they can have a few pieces and um they got really excited about that um the following day uh, my eldest daughter wanted some Skittles I and mean, we don't have any crap like that in a house normally. And I let her have them. But then as she was having them, I just said, I just want you to know what's in here. And let's see if we can go through the ingredient list and spot a real food here. And let's see how many times <laughs> we see either a food that sounds like like a chemical or a food that sounds like a sugar. And that was it, right? There was, there was, there was nothing in there that we could remotely attach to real life. And just kind of reminding her, of that i'm like so you do it if you want it you have it i just want you to know when we're going to have our steak and chips and you know uh, you know the the mushrooms and the cheese and the eggs and stuff like that later today and i know you're going to be excited and you're going to feel great that's what great feels like when you have food let's see how great you feel after these and having her be mindful of that i think is the best i can do not saying you can't have it just know that it's crap nutrition yeah yep so um that's um, it
1: man i love that so yeah,
0: we're we're both learning together as uh, fathers. Listen, this is actually part of where I wanted to go with this, Danny. Um, for today, I did want us to kind of pick a little bit more on the on the kid thing because I think it's so so big, and it's so difficult to get right. Um, but before we kind of double click back into that, you're known as you know the the keto bodybuilder. You're you proving to the world that you can do that because a lot of uh naysayers that suggest that it's just not optimal for muscle building. Um, and I wondered if we could spend a little bit of time understanding what the kind of keto bodybuilding regime would look like to maximize growth. But before we get there, I wondered if you could define what a keto lifestyle is, because I think, you know, keto can mean pure keto, you know, pissing on ketone strips, having your numbers by a certain number and sounding very restrictive. Keto can also mean low carb uh, for for the most part where there is some kind of flexibility. Can you define keto in terms of what how you see it and also how you run your life if, if you would say you're strict keto these days?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question, man. And I think it's something that as keto continues to grow, you start to see so many different people doing it so many different ways. And I, and I appreciate that, you know, these people are sharing, you know, all the variations that they're doing and all the, the ways they're using keto to help themselves. And like two examples of, of what a keto lifestyle would be, would be, let's say someone who's managing uh, a disease and then someone like myself. I think those are the two that I'll stick with just because. You know, there's a there's a whole other bunch of them, but they can they can fall into either of these. You know, because at the heart of it, my approach is is a, is an approach that is mainly focused on you know um, optimal cognitive function, optimal performance, and you know just overall um, body composition. And then if you have someone that's that's basically doing it to manage a disease, you have to track. You know, if you're someone who who is who? Who has a neurodegenerative disease, or a cancer, or some sort of um, uh, neurological disease? You're you're going to want to measure your ketones because you're going to have to have a certain level of of ketones to get that therapeutic benefit. And you're probably going to want to also measure your blood sugar so that your your glucose ke- uh, ketone index is is at a good number. So your glucose glucose ketone index is basically. Uh, we have to go ahead and divide our blood sugar numbers by 18 to get millimoles. You don't have to do that because in the UK, you guys are already at millimoles. So really, it's a simple thing is you're just dividing your um, ketones by your blood sugar. So did I get that right? So it's basically, let's say your blood sugar is, your fasted blood sugar is a 4.0 and your ketones are uh, at 1.0. That's a a GKI of 4.0. And that's really good. Like for me personally, like under five is where I feel my best if I'm trying to get like therapeutic kind of ketones. But you may you may need to be lower. You you may need, to be, may need to be like one or two, where where basically your your glucose and your ketones are right around the same. So that would be someone who's waking up at you know a glucose of you know 3.5 and a ketone of 2.5 or three, that's gonna be very, very therapeutic. But now let's get into the other example. And the other example, someone such as me, is, you know, obviously I see all of the benefits of having high ketones, but I don't see high ketones being necessary at all times. And for me, it's more important that I'm in a fat burning state, that I'm not in a stressed state. So um, even if my ketones, which my ketones after the first year, the first year was crazy. I mean, I, I had ketone numbers the first year. I I got high twice and I was like, what the heck is high? I had to go in and check and it was like, oh, that's above 8.0. And, you know, like I I had that twice and, you know, I was producing all these ketones, but I probably wasn't using them all because I wasn't fat adapted. Now, when you get into a certain level of fat adaptation, maybe it's a year in, maybe it's a year and a half in, um, it all depends on the person, you're going to see that your blood ketones are going to drop. You know, so like the Verda study is a really good example of this. It's a two-year study where you saw these people. They put them on a ketogenic diet, and that whole first year, ketones kind of trended upward, and then they leveled off at about a year, and they started to kind of uh, trend downward going into that second year. So no matter what happens, if we are, um, you know, in ketosis for an extended period of time, you're probably going to see your blood sugar, your blood ketone numbers drop. So. What does that mean? I mean, for me, all it means is I want to have my protein high. So that's the first difference. Uh, Whereas, you know, a typical ketogenic diet is either going to be moderate protein or sometimes low protein for those uh, people that are really trying to get those high ketone numbers. I don't have to worry about that. Um, At the same time, I do like to manage this whole anabolic versus catabolic um, uh, stimuli, stimuli that I'm giving myself. So, um, and, uh, examples of anabolic stimuli are, you know, high protein lifting heavy. And then an example of catabolic stuff would be, you know, um, fasting, um, what other things, or maybe, maybe some of this longer distance cardio stuff, but I like to do it all, you know? And so for me, um, being in ketosis all the time, maybe is not, you know, it's not my goal, but. It's not to say that I'm, I'm carbing up all the time. I do see the benefit of carbing up. And we'll talk about, you know, how I think people should train. This is something that my best friend and business partner, Ben Pakulski and I, we, we came up with this over a period of like a year and a half, thinking about what, what does it look like to have the perfect training style for your diet? And what does it look like when you remove one whole macronutrient um, from the equation when you remove carbs, you know, what are the things that we should be aware of? So, you know, we look into that, we do, uh, adjust our training for that. But then sometimes when we want to do this glycolytic stuff, we do add some carbs because we know that we're going to clear that glucose quickly. We know that even if we did get kicked out of ketosis, it's not going against our overall goal, which is to stay in a fat burning state and to, um, to, you know, try to build some muscle. So I guess that's how I would define it. I mean, key, ketosis is is a metabolic state. So, you know, you can have people that are training really hard that are eating 100 grams of, of carbs a day that are in ketosis. Uh, and then if, of course, if you want to complicate it a little bit more, then you start to think about it in terms of more than just, you know, macronutrients. And you start to think about the actual foods that you're putting in your mouth and you start to think about all of the potential risks there are with you know, plant foods. When you think about oxalates, lectins, gluten, glycoalkaloids, um, I'm sure I'm missing some phytates. All of those things affect all of us in some way or another. And some people genetically are a perfect storm, like Michaela Peterson, where she has genetic snips and lifestyle things and just you know epigenetic things in her body that you know make it so she can only thrive on a carnivore diet um so so you have to think about all those things and that's why you know I don't I don't tell everybody they need to go carnivore but um, if people ask me, you know, I want to try a ketogenic diet, should I just go straight to carnivore or keto? Well, if they're asking me, I'm going to say go to carnivore, you know, because it's just that's the best thing. You start there. You can you can start adding things like avocados, other ketogenic foods that um, can enhance your micronutrient status and, you know, enhance your hydration and your performance. Um, and if those don't affect your gut and they don't affect the way you feel, then you can add those in.
0: That's great. Thank you, Danny. Um, the reason I asked that question is I, I do feel that there is, it's, it's, you know, once a diet gains popularity, there become so many variations of it in terms of interpretation that one man's keto is, is completely different to someone else's in terms of how they operate that diet. And as an example, um, I, I don't really like diet labels, um, I, I really dislike diet zealotry. Um, but at the same time, I, I can't help but accept some universal truths or, you know, foundations of human diet that I should be trying to respect. And uh, you know, my transition has been very much one of uh, appreciating nutrient density first and foremost. Like, not not ketosis. It's not about ketosis. It's about nutrient density, and that has to be an animal-based nutrition. And as I got my head around that uh, and started appreciating, you know, the fat of your cuts of meat and started appreciating fat without feeling guilty, I'm like, well, this feels great, tastes great. <laughs> I'm satiated. And hey, it is more calorific, so I'm going to have to drop something out of my diet. Okay, I'm going to just drop some of my carbs down. And then I started doing that, and I'm now at a point where maybe 10% of my calories total, 12% maybe, are carbs on any given day. So I'm, I'm definitely no I'm, I'm low-ish carb, but not low carb. I'm still having probably 100 a day. 100 grams of carbs a day. I train hard. Um, But I would say, honestly, I can't imagine having any additional benefit from where I'm at right now. I've got carbs, but I'm centered around animal based nutrition. I'm having carbs only in the evening. I'm running off of fats clearly because I'm having carbs intermittently, you know, once a day. Um, But I doubt I'd be in ketosis. Or maybe if I am, it'd be low level. Um, because well, I'm, you're I'm not being particularly night, dogmatic about missing out, missing the carbs.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, if you're having them at night and you're testing first thing in the morning, then maybe you're going to say, oh, I'm out of ketosis. But what happens, you know, if you test in the middle of the day, you know, when you have put 12 hours between that last carb meal, you could very well be in ketosis. And and this is something that Dominic Diagostino said to me like, it's, it's probably two and a half years ago that he said something like, you know, I actually think a low-carb diet with intermittent fasting may be more ketogenic than a ketogenic diet. No way. And I thought, wow, that is really interesting, you know. Um, and I found this, too, where, you know, I, I get some of that possible um, glucose intolerance from long periods of mm. not introducing carbs in. And, and uh, you know, I, I bring those carbs back in. And I see like for a week that my blood sugar control is you know gone and and my blood sugar's all over the place. Um, but then when I bring them back in, you know, I find that my insulin sensitivity is improved because I'm actually putting my pancreas through some sort of um, work, you know, because if your insulin's always low, well your body's gonna conserve energy, your body's gonna be efficient. and so your body's not gonna just automatically see some carbs and be like, oh, You know, I know what to do. You know, it's just it's just our bodies are they adapt to the environment that they're in. So sorry for getting on the soapbox. But I just was like, you know, I thought about this because, you know, you're eating 100 carbs a day. To me, that's low carb. And if you're backloading them, then most of the time you're not getting these little spurts of insulin. Or if you are during the day, it's it's like, you know, a 20 to 30 minute little pulse there that that's not going to do anything. It's going to go away. And that's that.
0: I, I agree. So, you know, in, in my perspective, I'd say I'm I'm pretty low carb in that basis. You know, I train almost every day, five to six days a week, strength training. I know that's you know, it's gonna be burning through um reserves I have. Um, but I wouldn't say I follow a keto diet because anyone can look at my diet and say you probably don't uh for that basis. But I think I'm reaping much of the reward. I feel great, and I, things that you you say are your kind of measures of a good diet. I feel that I get those. Um I wonder if there's any downsides though from your perspective are there are there downsides to the lifestyle you lead through the nutrition you have um and maybe leading the witness a little bit no doubt you've had carbs most most of your life have you do do you have pangs for for having a little bit more flexibility at times or you know grabbing some fries or, or having things that you once enjoyed do you look at foods and go, "I'm being stoic. I'm, I should enjoy that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I know I would enjoy that, point. but I'm I'm I've decided not to enjoy it." I mean, wh- where are you in in your relationship with food in its totality?
1: Well, I have a friend who's uh, actually he's a Brit like you, and he he accused me once, and he's very very smart dude, very philosophical guy. And he accused me once of promoting ascetic nonsense when I started talking about, you know, cutting the sweeteners. Um, and I, I, I didn't agree with that at all because, you know, to me, I'm the furthest thing. I, I, I can see how I'm very much a disciplined person. You know, I'm very disciplined, but I'm also all of these things are not happening in a vacuum. Like as I'm adapting, my psychology is adapting, too. And so. I, I, I don't remember a time in my life, and it's probably just because of where I am now, I don't remember a time where I was a slave to bread or a slave to um, starches or, or pasta. Like, I never felt like, oh, I want to have a good pasta, you know? Oh, that's um, me, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I love nut butters, and I think I can get in big trouble with them, especially, like I said, because of the oxalates. And, you know, oxalates are a thing that you can't, you can't do anything to the food. You can't alter the food to get mm-hmm. rid of them. You know, phytic acid, you can soak and sprout the grains and, 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 the, and the legumes. You can't and, detoxify and oxalates, right? You can't. I mean, yeah. well, you can detoxify them in your body, but it takes a long time. And that's assuming that you're you're cutting them out of your diet to to an, enough of an extent to where you're clearing out yeah. more than you're taking in. Yeah, we and, had, and we had
0: th- Elliot Overton on. I don't know if you've heard his stuff, but he, he just gave a... Fantastic hour and a half on everything to do with
1: oxalate. So yeah, um, hopefully the oh, audience have got clued that. up on that. It's really,
0: really interesting
1: discussion. I'd with. love to hear that. Yeah, I, I definitely want to hear that because oxalates are something like in the past six months that I've been looking into, and um, you know, they can be there for years. And that's the thing with this ketogenic diet that a lot of these products that people are eating are high oxalate foods. When you think about the almond butters, the mm. almonds, blueberries. Um, you know, some of these, um, starches, even if people choose to carb up with sweet potatoes, you know, I've adjusted the foods that I use when I carb up to just reflect just a lower oxalate type of food. Yeah. Um, Same
0: here, man. I I used to do a lot of sweet potato, a lot, a lot of, uh, cacao, spinach, everything on the oxalate list, everything in the super high turmeric, all of that. I was doing it every single day because I thought I was being health conscious, um, and I, I definitely went through a period of some form of uh, body, Detox. yes, something, right? You know, they call it oxalate dumping. People kind of roll their eyes when I say, I, I felt I went through that, but I had about three months of transition into this lower carb and then low oxalate diet. And it was, wasn't pleasant. I mean, all sorts of weird things started happening to me. And I actually discussed that with Elliot of just this kind of crap that I was dealing with. Absolutely fine now, but yeah, your body wants to get rid of it but it needs a low oxalate baseline in which to start moving it out of your your joints and out of your
1: tissues yeah and and you know you know i'm sure he mentioned this like it's dangerous to cut them out all at once Mm. because then when you start to release them you get like all of those symptoms and it can be they can be in your eyes they can be in your joints they can be anywhere like they find these things everywhere and like you know just seeing what an oxalate what oxalates do to different cells in the body. That alone, I think, is is something that people should look at. But, but if I go back to your question and I think about, you know, am I being um, restrictive? I think that absolutely I am, especially when I'm doing a challenge like the one I'm doing now, where we're doing this carnivore 75 hard challenge, where we're having 75 days of nothing but, you know, meat and dairy, basically. And it's funny, once you mention that, Once you take out the option, you know, you have specific minds that that are affected by like, I'll give you an example. My wife is is more affected by it than I am because she's a moderator. Like she can have a little rice cake with some peanut butter and maybe like honey on it. And all in all, we're talking about maybe like 10 or 15 carbs total, maybe 15. Um, But overall, the calories are not that much. It's not a lot in her day but it brings her some satisfaction especially mm-hmm. at the end of the night and she can't do that now and so that that's affecting her and that's bothering her and for me that's not as big of a deal but that's because I know that if I have that one I'm gonna have a ton of them so even when I'm you know it's funny I've been doing this for over three years and even when I uh, am I'm letting the wheels fall off for some reason, I do it within like a ketogenic framework, and I don't know if that's worse or not. Because sometimes, you know, I'll do like I'll 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 I'll, I'll binge or something, and I, and it'll be like I'll make some fat bombs with some coconut oil and butter and cacao, and you know I'll pour all of this stuff in this into a measuring glass, and then I'll, I'll make all these fat bombs and I'll put them in the silicone little trays, and then I'll start eating a ton of them. And let's say I eat like ten of them, my wife's like, you know, you just ate you know, half a bottle of, of oil, Mm you know, like, like, and, and that can have inflammatory, um, you know, uh, implications that can, that can, the next day, uh, you know, I feel acidic. I feel like, uh, some, some, you know, acid coming back up. I feel like I'm going to the bathroom more. And so that's not great at all. I don't think, um, I just don't like how I feel when I combine fats and carbs and that's the problem. So I never, I'm never like that guy who's gonna have a pizza or who's gonna have um, you know fries just because it's even if they're if they're French fries that are fried in in lard or fried in coconut oil maybe if that was the case then and it was at a restaurant maybe I might <laughs> just to try it out but um, you know it's, what, it's what, that are, combination what are, what of is,
0: what are the rules are there for you Danny are the rules more they're rules therefore I must or is it you know, there's a consequence that you can viscerally feel or is oh, yeah. there, is there a, like a, a wellness, you know, you feel like there's going to be a, a wellness detriment for this kind of one-off, you know, quote unquote treat where you do have fats and carbs together. I'm, I'm just trying to understand whether, uh, you know, the, the, your compass is more, I've got a rule book and I must follow it uh, versus there's, there's a cause and effect that I don't like when I go there.
1: I think for me, it's, it's 100% the latter. Um, because I I do so much experimentation that I know so much about my body. So like when I have specific non-negotiables, like you mentioned, um, you know, mine are pretty simple. Um, I don't I don't ever have food dyes. Uh that's never gonna happen. I don't ever have processed sugars, that's not gonna happen, like high fructose corn syrup or simple sugars. Um, what else is is something I'm never gonna have wheat, me personally. Now, we've been playing around with the idea of making a sourdough bread because we know that number one, we're going to have complete access um, to the best ingredients and the process, and we know that it's going to be a great educational thing for the boys. So, this coming year, we want to do a lot of like home ec stuff with Mm -hmm. our homeschool because our boys are, you know, we have different priorities than than a lot of the world. The world is saying that they have to read this by this age and they have to do this by this age. And I'm over here saying, man, you're not going to get a good wife if you don't know how to clean up after yourself. <laughs> you know, you better freaking clean up after yourself. You better learn how to have good hygiene, you know, and you you, you need to do all these things and you you want how to know how to cook in the kitchen. You want to know what different heat and different elements do to your food. And so... So, for that reason, maybe we'll do maybe we do a sourdough bread this year and we maybe we do it a few times and we enjoy it and and we sit down and we have some sort of like sandwich on that bread we made and we'll we'll talk all about it. But it's 100% for me, um, because of what happens, like because of the the outcomes, like I. The reason why I had that weird keto counterculture name, and I love the name, don't get me wrong, but I had to stop it just because, number one, it's so hard for me to do a video and say my my name. Like, if I have to introduce myself, I'm like, keto counterculture. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, it's so it's a mouthful. But, like, at the heart of it, it's who I am. You know, what I do is, is very counterculture. And I don't try to be counterculture for the sake of being counterculture. Although I am fully aware that both my wife and I have a tendency to like to be different. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't like being in the mainstream. We don't, we we like, you know, listening to different music and, and eating in a different way. We just kind of like that. So, so I, if you tell me that there's a rule, I'm going to want to know why there's a rule, you know, and, and I'm not just going to follow the rules for the sake of following the rules.
0: And do you care about your keto numbers?
1: No, not at all. Because I, there were so many times that um i've gotten like 0.2 0.3 um fasted numbers and you know my blood sugar's you know somewhere like 3.8 or something and i'm like man my blood sugar's low and my ketones are you know they're there but they're maybe not be- maybe maybe they're not high um so so i'm in a fat burning state um the other thing is i've done you know some of some some experiments with breath ketones and I, I have to re kind of do some research there because I I really thought I had a good grasp on breath ketones. I I, I understood them as one hundred percent when you get that acetone number on a breath ketone meter, that is giving you what has been used, and so you're 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 getting a more a number that's more reflective of the ketones that are being used versus what's just floating around in your blood. But, you know, I just, I just spent a weekend in Puerto Rico. I did a speaking engagement over there and I actually learned that I had that wrong. Um, and, and so I don't think the main takeaway from it is, is, is off because the main takeaway was just basically, look, don't, don't get overly excited about high ketone numbers and don't get overly depressed about low ketone numbers. I think that still remains, but the way I understood it and the way I interpreted it, for example, like I had, I did this two years ago where my friend Robert and I, you know, Keto Savage, we, we did this three month hypertrophy experiment where we added 500 calories each month in the form of a different macronutrient. So the first month, it was all protein, 500 extra calories on top of everything we had, um, of come all coming from protein. Second month came all from fat and the third month was a mix. And obviously you, you wouldn't be surprised if I told you like the third month was the best, um, you know, combination as far as like the results that we got. But I did notice in that second month, you know, where same as I noticed my first year of being in ketosis that I I had a very high fat keto approach where I was adding all this extra fat and I would get higher blood ketone numbers. And, to me, having a very high blood ketone number, you have to be honest with yourself. Like, are you in a caloric surplus? And you can you can answer that pretty easily. Like if you had a bunch of pork belly yesterday and a bunch of fatty stuff with added butter and added oils, and you have, you know, a high ketone number this morning, it, do you really think that you're burning more fat? Or is it just because you've produced more ketones because you've consumed more fat? Mm. And ketones are not that magical. They're great, and they have a, a, a specific purpose. But at the end of the day, energy balance still matters, and so you have to keep that in mind. You have to think about that and not be so like one of the things that Lewis um, from Keto Gain said like a few years back, and I and I agreed with it was like chase results, not ketones. Um, but at the same time, you got to be honest of honest with yourself and your biases going into it because. For example, when I started to do these carb ups this summer and carb ups for me were like a a two year process, like it was like a year and a half of no carbs at all. No, I'm never going to need them to, you know, 2018 in the summer, I started to do, you know, 50 post workout carbs. And that was a disaster because it was it was the only carbs I was having all day. And I would be having cravings the rest of the day. And then I took it to the next level in January this year when I started to do this little paleo experiment where I had three days a week where I was having 150 carbs and that was much better. And then this summer, I had carb ups once a week where I was bringing them up to 225, basically my body weight in pounds um, and in grams. I would bring the fat low and I I felt great. Um, But this, this whole what happened to my psychology when I started to have these weekly carb ups is I started to become much more comfortable with carbs. And I started to be like metabolic flexibility, you know, and all this. And, 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 and that's the thing, like we start to get into these habits and we have to always be mindful because you know, you, you start having carbs and they complicate things. That's what, that's what I say. Cause they, they do, they complicate things for me because now like on a non carb up day, I'm here thinking like, well, maybe I should have some carbs today too.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's like, I, I think that as long as we, um, are honest with ourselves and as long as we are like constantly looking at our goals, like we're not, we're not all Spartans. We're not all like food is not just fuel. Food is also delicious. And food is, you know, we, we, we have social things with food and we eat for many reasons, you know, but, um, but at the heart of it, like most of the time, we should be eating in a way that like helps our goals. And there's another guy that he's also a Brit. Um, I believe he's a Brit. Um, he's a really cool guy. He um, His name is, uh, I, I don't know if his, his name is pronounced Cyan or Sean. It's C-I-A-N Foley. And he wrote this book that I loved. And he's not ketogenic at all. Um, and the book is called Don't Eat for Winter. And basically the whole premise of the book he uses the 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 squirrel and the acorn as an example of you know these animals. They as the fall um, approaches, they start to eat more high carb and high fat. And so the acorn is an example of one of those foods that's high carb and high fat, so they can store as much fat for the winter. Um, but since we live in a world where seasonality is no longer an issue because we can fly, you know, produce from all over the world um, and eat. At all the time, we have people eating for winter at all times for a winter that's never coming, you know? And so I think the problem is not so much eating the carbs, period, because if you're an active person, you can easily go through those carbs and they they may provide a benefit. But the problem is combining carbs and fat. And I don't see any situation where that's ever good. Just because of the inflammatory processes that start to happen immediately uh, in the gut, immediately, all over your body when you combine those two. So you know, there are people that do very, very well on a higher carb diet, but they keep the fat low. I personally can't because I, I suffer. Now, if I do that once one day, then it's it's actually kind of cool because now I'm experiencing satiety in a different way, where you know before i'm 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 having this like big brick of meat on my plate. But you know, in general, it's not gonna be the volume that I get if I have some sushi or some some rice with some meat and and some yeah. veggies. Now I'm I'm feeling the stretch of my stomach versus just relying on my hunger hormones and my satiety hormones. So I, I love this back and forth, man. I think the body does so well when we when we go back and forth, like I said, between anabolic and catabolic, between fasting and between um, pushing it um, pushing the envelope and then, you know, training smart, but it's got to all have like some thought to it.
0: You've, you've said a few things there, Danny, that I think are just so bang on. First of all, I don't know, f- for me personally, the way that we as a family, um, I think being uber restrictive, um, may cause problems in the long run uh, in, in inability to tolerate certain foods. Cause you never have them, right. Whether it be, insufficient microbiome bacteria to be able to handle certain fruits or vegetables that you've eliminated for years. Um versus what you've just said there around, you know, big carby mills are they you get full by volume, really. It's not about anything else. It's about volume. Yeah. When you have a ribeye and you have eggs, you're getting full by those natural satiety signals. And I think it's worth you know understanding how both of those feel. Um for me, going low, lower carb during the day and having a bit of carbs in the evening, the, I think the biggest, most profound thing, Danny, and I don't know if you could speak to this, is my lack of hunger. So I'm I'm the biggest foodie ever. I mean, 38 years old. <laughs> I'm I'm part of a Greek family. My mum always wanted to feed me up. There was always seconds and thirds always available. I was known as the human dustbin. I'd eat up anything <laughs> that anyone else didn't finish. That is just the way. Same here, man. That's, and it's my default. If I don't if I don't control myself, I'll do it. Um, but move into you know move into a healthier diet where I you know amped up all the fruits and vegetables. Inc- never never drop the the meat felt good, but I had a lot of volume, I was getting full by volume. And I was I was happy because I could eat so much volume, because that was my main signal of satiety. So I, would, oh, well, I can have loads of sweet potatoes, I can have loads of, you know, these broccoli, because it takes up no calories, it's amazing. And then when I started to experiment with changing that balance a bit and increasing and, and feeling comfortable with more fat and more protein, um, to the point I am now, I'm currently on a two day fast. And I'm doing oh, that nice. purely because I'm in a, I'm in a bit of a mini cut, you know, five weeks get in and out, lose, lose the fat, photo shoot, move on. Uh, so I don't do this often, but I mean, I'm two days in and I'm not stressing. I'm actually surprised that I'm not stressing. And then this is th- three or four weeks into this specific one, but Hey, that would have freaked me out a couple of years ago. You know, I'd be getting serious hanger issues. i the wife would know I'd be getting hangry because I'd be rubbing my chest and then I start getting really irritable. And that would be after two hours of not eating. Now I've gone like oh, yeah. two days and I'm I'm like I'm fine. And yeah. I I can't get my head around it because it's so alien to me. And I think to most people, do you experience that? Do you experience that ability to now go through periods of time without needing food because, hey, one, the lack of carbs, and two, you're just getting so much more nutrition with the choices you're making.
1: Oh, man. Absolutely. I, I just want to before I continue with, with this question, I just want to mention what you said about, you know, having keeping that ability to enjoy different foods is is definitely uh, a big factor for me. You know, because there are people who, you know, I wish I could be one of these people. Um, they can just go forever only eating meat, you know, and they'll be just fine. You know, they're psychologically, they don't feel like they're missing out. I am not that person, you know, so I have to be conscious of that because I know that, you know, I'm going to want to have something different. Why? I don't know. Sometimes I just want to have something different, you know, and and I I love listening to different points of view. Uh, there's a guy on YouTube. Do you know who uh, vegetarian police is I don't or know. vegetable police? He's 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 a really funny guy. He's this vegan guy who. Um, he, he made like this big splash earlier this year because he went carnivore and, um, and he's just hilarious because he's that guy who's standing on the outside. He's not going on the podcast. He's not like this vegan convert to carnivore who's doing the podcast circuit and doing all that. He's not that guy. He's staying on the outside. I tried to reach out to him. He never even got back to me, you know, like he's, he's doing his own thing and he's just a jester poking fun at everybody. He's poking fun at vegans he's poking fun at carnivores and i love that because you know he mentioned how when he did carnivore like he 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 just did so much better but like for some reason the guy wants to go vegan again so he's going vegan again and he's talking about all the things that suck about being vegan um, but he mentioned this one thing once that i think a lot of people who have done carnivore for you know an extended period of time can appreciate and that's that he said something to the effect of like I have the, the, the digestion of like a baby um, as a carnivore because I, I you cut out so many foods that, you know, it's really hard to, to for your body to like properly digest them because, you know, all that bacteria is gone. And, you know, my friend Ali Miller, for example, she had a, a, a big event during KetoCon this year where she brought out all of her digestive enzymes and she was giving it to all the carnivores because she had all these delicious foods that have plants in them. But she knows that most of us are not eating them. So she's like, make sure you guys have those enzymes. Make sure that you get extra things to help you break down that food because your body may not have them. So that's a big thing. Now, as far as the the question you asked about um, extended periods of not eating, oh, just fasting. Generally. Yeah, yeah. So the, the 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 hunger and appetite control uh, for me actually with carnivore was the biggest factor because it, when I went into a ketogenic diet, when I switched from you know a standard diet, I had just come off of like a, a standard cut where I had my fat was already kind of low in the beginning, probably like eighty grams a day. And then I cut it down to 50 grams a day over a period of three to four months. And my carbs were like at 400 and they got down to like a hundred. So at the end, like I was just, I was shredded. I was miserable. Um, you know, everything sucked, but I looked good. <laughs> and when I switched to ketosis, like when I got into ketosis, I, all I had to do was cut the carbs a little bit more and add a ton of fat. And I felt great. And I did feel that, that, um, that satiety. And I felt that ability to fast after, you know, maybe a few months where I could fast. And I was you, man. I was that guy. Like I would go whenever we'd go on an outing with the family, like we'd have to plan the day out. I'd have to have like several gluten-free sandwiches because, you know, they're gluten-free. So, um, there's no gluten in them, but I mean, I was eating like maybe like four sandwiches in a period of like four hours because I thought that I was, I always thought I was cute. And I always thought that I was going to actually put some time in between these sandwiches, like as if I was going to wait two, three hours and it never <laughs> worked out that way. It was always like, maybe I'll have like two sandwiches. And then like an hour later, I have like another one or two sandwiches. And now it's like one o'clock and the food that was supposed to last me till like five or six, I'm st- it's gone and I'm starving. Now, when I switched to carnivore, I felt even more of an appetite control. So if you're the type of person that feels like, you know, they get hanger or they just have like these cravings, I think carnivore works really, really well for that. Um, I think it's just getting rid of all things that your body can um, interpret as sweet really helps because now I'm telling you, man, liver tastes sweet to me uh, specific types of animal livers, like are sweeter than others. And I can taste those differences. And, um, and I love that, you know, like I just have a a completely different palate. Um, I I can still put food down, but it's, it's, it's not as, it's not like it's necessary. And it's not like, I'm I'm have this desperation that I would have before.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing to try and explain to people, isn't it? When, you know, there's, there's some childhood favorites I've got um or even like adult favorites you know a big pie you know we have like you know chicken and asparagus big (laughs) pie loads of potatoes maybe loads of sweet corn I'd have big bowls of pasta you know on the regular I'd have you know just big carby meals and I can I can reminisce Danny I can think back of some meals I, I would have very regularly and go wow that was I used to love that that was like one of my favorites and now I can still reminisce and I can remember enjoying it but I don't and you can f- look
1: at it too, right? And be like, "Wow, that was a good meal. I used to love that." Damn but you're right. not like But but now like,
0: oh. I, I can look at that meal and go, "Yeah, I used to like that," but now I I don't yearn for it anymore. What I yearn for is my you know my eggs, my ribeye, my dairy, my milk. My you know we we have a meal every most weekends. Wife makes some you know beef dripping, really crispy uh, um, chips or fries, uh, she, a few ribeyes. Like kind of open on the table for us all to take between all the girls and, and and me. The chips?
1: Do you guys just just fry them in like a like a like a coconut oil or something? No, beef dripping. So she she Ooh, cooks them with yeah, beef dripping, it. and it is. Beautiful. isn't that what what everybody isn't that what in general what they're cooking like if, the, if i have fish and chips they're, they're cooking them in, in beef dripping over there well in no general,
0: no, right? no no not really no 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 usually uh, over here in the uk it's vegetable oil of some some something oh, we hardly ever sad. use any kind of lard or tallow beef dripping uh so we kind of converted to beef drippings we use beef dripping she cooks the fry these chips they're absolutely amazing they're to die for we have a few ribeyes on the center of table we might have some kind of large flat mushrooms with some mature cheddar cheese loaded on top of Ooh. that um we might we might have some um you know little baby cherry tomatoes just for a little bit of kind of texture and difference because you know we're not anti uh vegetables we just have far less of them now and yeah. you know the kids and we'll have some terra tara masalata some nice um uh you know what tara is yeah yeah it's yeah. like uh it's like a um
1: it's like, like a fish we have row, Oh okay 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 I'm thinking of I think I'm thinking of uh I'm thinking of a uh, of a starch that's like taro oh
0: no not taro it's terra masalata. so it's the greek um it's like um it's like a slight pinky color looks like mayonnaise but not it's it's basically like um cod or or a kind of f- salmon roe but mushed into this kind of like
1: oh i've never had that man beautiful man
0: you've got to have some it's called tarama salada it's a a just standard greek condiment so we'll stick some of that in there there's some obviously some butter in the mushrooms and you know my kids have gone from being just they would just have chicken and they'd have potato waffles and they'd have chips and stuff like that you know just out of the out of the microwave or the freezer and now they're like what do you want for dinner steak what do you want for dinner steak what do you want for breakfast eggs <laughs> like they don't want anything else and it is so yep. beautiful to see that your kids are choosing nutrient density over that kind of instant feel-good factor that they once had with other food because now they feel better making better choices and this isn't uh i'm not playing mind games on them i'm not making them choose the better food they want it
1: and that's just yeah that's, that's amazing, their, man. there's no one looking there's no one watching this is their choice and i i totally agree man that that is gosh that's so huge man because now my 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 oldest is now he's starting to develop that list of non-negotiables like, like he he's like you know what man cake is out cake is off the team uh he's had a few terrible experiences with cake already where he's like I don't want to have cake anymore. Like, unless it's maybe like some sort of keto cake, uh, I don't want to have it. And because he's gone to, one of the things we do is like when they go to parties, you know, kids' birthday parties, or like you mentioned, Halloween. Have at it, man. Have that candy. It's a special occasion. That's what people are talking about when they say, let them live. Exactly. That's just, what just we're monitor, talking just
0: about. Just monitor, monitor your reaction, right? Do what you want. Yeah. But if, if, you've yep. got, if you're mindful enough to know that after you've binged on... Three free sandwiches at this party and there was loads of sweets and a cake. And you had it all because you wanted it and it felt good in the moment. If you feel like shit a couple of hours later, remember that. (laughs) Just remember it. Because now you you might be able to make a different decision next time. And our kids are self-regulating exactly the same. They're they're pulling away from that stuff. Not because we're saying they shouldn't or it's evil. It's going to cause major problems. We're just going, probably not going to feel as good on that.
1: Give it a go. And lo and behold, they see it. And that's 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 beautiful, man. man it sticks, you know, because it's their decision. And that's the thing that we want to do that, you know, we haven't mentioned this, but I I do want to just mention the fact that, you know, keeping autonomy is so important for people and kids are just little people. And so if we take away that autonomy, it's, it's really hard for them to learn a lesson that is going to be internalized, you know, because it's all external things thrust upon them, you know? So you know, we for example, we we never force them to share, we never force them to hug people, we never force them to say thank you. We teach them the importance of all of those things and they know why it's important to share, because they know if they share that their friends are gonna share, but we don't make them. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the type of teaching that we like to do because it, it all comes learning is internal and learning is not something that you 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 don't teach someone like when my son learns something in homeschool you know i have nothing to do with it most of the time he's choosing what he wants to learn and so we have to keep that in mind we have to keep the idea of incentives always in mind like there's there's everything in life is built on incentives and so if we ignore that and we just say the whole like you know because i said so that's not gonna work now is it easier is it more um uh, what's the word, um, is it easier to, to carry out and something that you can just have a, a quick answer? Yeah, it is, but it's not how we'd like to do it.
0: You don't want them to rebel and you want them to, you know, if, if they own the decision, they'll, they'll stick to it. And I, I think that's what we're we're both saying. Um, yeah. I, 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 do, I do want to pick on one, one thing I heard your wife talk about. And I don't know if she bangs on about this regularly, but I did see it recently about kids' menus. Uh, in restaurants and you know what it was so funny because when <laughs> i heard this it was like she must have been earwigging on our conversations because me and, me and my wife <laughs> talk about this all the time now we go to a nice restaurant i'm like okay i'm eyeing up you know not a nice bit of steak or something like that and then I, I, I look down the kids menu and it's chicken nuggets and chips it's ah, like some have a kind of fried crap and chips and i'm like hang on a minute what's going on here and you know development of a child is so much more important than my development as an adult that stopped stopped developing why are we giving the dregs why are we giving the cheapest shittest food to our kids and we're accepting of that whilst we're you know piling in our free course meal with fine dining experiences and well-cooked meats and you know that the chefs labored over my meal and they've got something out of a microwave i just don't get it and i don't get why the restaurants do it i don't get why we as parents accept it so now when we go restaurants they're eating off the you know the proper menu even if it means we're yep. spending $30 or you know 20 pounds whatever it is per head for the g- girls I'd rather do that knowing they're getting good nutrition because it's supposed to be a treat not a punishment talk to me about how you guys feel about restaurant food oh. for kids
1: I wish my wife was here cuz she'd be like like all types of like head rolls <laughs> all types of like snapping and like you know just diva total diva about this because she's like so she gets fired up and i get fired up too man 100 percent why are the restaurants doing it simply because the market's asking for it that's that's the main reason you know people want to go to a restaurant sit down and they're going to look at that menu and they're going to order something for themselves and their kids are an afterthought what do you want oh okay you want some nuggets and, and chips okay or what you want some mac and cheese i mean They're literally the palette, the color palette, with the exception of like, you know, maybe some fruit is like everything is white or beige, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, all these dumbed down flavors. How do we expect them to develop a taste for liver when that's competing with like porridge and all these other things that are just so bland and like pure you know, the minute you taste it on your tongue, you have that cephalic phase insulin response. Your body's like lit up, you know, there's so much happening. So we hate, hate (laughs) kids' menus. Um, I I mean, I think it's ridiculous. And I I wanted to look into this. Um, If I would have known before this, I would have looked into this. But for example, I believe France has outlawed um, vegan diets for children for the sake of health reasons. I think that if you are in France and you want to put your kid on a vegan diet, it has to be for like religious reasons or something like that. Mm -hmm. And because like you said, they're developing humans and there's never been a society that's eaten a vegan diet throughout development. I mean, that, that is, it can be disastrous, you know? And so, um, these kids Mauda said something that I just, it blew my mind. She said this probably like a year ago. These kids are all eating unintentional vegan diets. And the parents are like, wait, what are you talking about? We offer them the meat. Yeah, they're not eating the meat, buddy. They're not because they're eating all the other stuff. They're eating, they're starting with, you know, all of the the starches and the sugars and maybe some fruit and, you know, some potato chips or some, some fried chips or other stuff. And they're eating all of that. Why are they going to want to eat the meat? They're not going to. And so what ends up happening is they eat all this crap. And so now these kids, whether they like it or not, they're on a vegan diet. And, you know, these kids are growing outward and not growing upward. They're not the the rates of growth have slowed a lot. You know, we have now 54 percent of children in the United States, at least, um, have a chronic disease and it's suspected to be 80 percent uh in five years. And that's, you know, that is a fact. You know, we if we include uh you know food allergies, ADHD, um, you know, autism, you know, now with diabetes, all, all these things that we didn't even think that we would encounter until later in life, they're happening with kids. And it's it's such a shame, man, because you know what happens epigenetically when you have these lifestyles, these epigenetic marks now, if you correct it, yeah, you can, you know, fix a lot of it. But I, I don't even know how far you can go in, in terms of fixing it as an adult, if that's what you did your whole for, you know, the formative years, you know, I mean, there may not, yeah. there may be some stuff yeah. that you can't undo. Yeah, and
0: and I, I think you and I are both, you know, we're doing the best we can to turn the ship around for us as individuals. Um, yeah, but we, you know, we had a life where, you know, many of those decisions prior to us kind of seeing, you know, being enlightened around what good food is. Hey, that's, that, that damage is done. That damage was done when, as I was growing up, I grew up in the convenience era where it was yeah. all, it was all microwave and, and, you know, oven based food, you know, straight from a kind of freezer. And my mum was doing the best she could with the knowledge that she had available to her. She, she made no mistake based on what she was told. She'd done everything right greek family as well so she did give me a lot of good nutrition but had a lot of crap nutrition unknowingly um and i'm dealing with some yep. consequences of that which it's going to take me years if if not at all to resolve uh, whereas when as you say when they're kids they're, they're developing in such a such a great rate why, why would you put inferior pro- products in and why would you give them things that are going to slow them down and just as a small anecdote we went to visit some friends recently we stayed with them for a couple of days and um the and the these kids are just eating regularly they're not eating anything obscene or weird or just on this in cra- crazy kind of like bad diet they're eating a good diet from a standard perspective but they they have just like carby breakfast like cereal within an hour they wanted crisps an hour after that we were walking around, walking around um, the local town. They wanted some sweets. We went for for lunch because they were even more hungry again. And they just um, one of them had like a, a pancake. The other one had basically an ice cream for for like lunch. It was an ice cream, but it was basically a oh, sweet gosh. thing. Whereas my girls hadn't eaten at all during all that time, and they had like a three egg omelette. One of them had an omelette. Everyone had um, like a sourdough toast with salmon and omelet like kind of eggs benedict style and they didn't ask for anything else and then after lunch the kids asked for more crisps again more chips <laughs> and i'm like and 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 it wasn't just the fact that they are not always wanting these the carbs the mood and attention thing i was i was blown away with like the kind of ADHD oh, yeah. type personalities and just the mood swings when they're not getting their own way my kids wouldn't dare chat shit to me in front of someone else especially about food, yeah. they wouldn't. Now part of that's parenting, yep. but part of it's like, they just don't have those kind of hanger signals where they must, they must get what they need because they're, they're tanking. And yep. I don't know, I don't know whether other people hear me saying this and go, that's just parenting. I don't think it is just parenting. I think it's parenting plus nutrition. The kids aren't getting the right food. They're just not in a good spot. I mean, have, have you seen that transition with your kids as you kind of transition them into a more of a ketogenic lifestyle?
1: Absolutely, man. It's not just kids. I think it's adults. And <laughs> like, I think, you know, Mark Mark Bell, one of the things Mark Bell said to me once, he was like, when I switched um, my diet, when I lowered my carbs, he's like, my house became a much less angry place. <laughs> and I'm like, man, how many people are walking through the world right now with a flawed perception because of biochemistry, you know, biochemistry, you know, it's, it's, it's not, You know, like you said, yeah, parenting is a thing. But, like, if you're in a poor environment, it's like, um, you know, we're big fans of Maria Montessori. She's a, you know, big um, defender of children and her her style of Mm -hmm. of education is what we love. And it's all about the um, prepared environment. And this is how I view fat loss, too. You know, fat loss has to do with putting your body in the right environment. Like, it doesn't mean lower calories more. It could mean, you know, go for a walk after dinner to bring your, your blood glucose down after a big meal, waking up in the morning with lower blood sugar and now being in a much better environment to burn fat. You know, that, that is how I view it. And that's how I think, you know, we need to view, you know, life in general. Like people, everything has a consequence, you know, everything has a consequence, the way we eat. And when we think about the fact that our cell walls are made up of the fats that we eat, um, and we think about the fact that, you know, lots of these plant toxins, they can cross the blood, pl- the blood brain barrier. Like just think of lectins and gluten alone, those things, they cause leaky gut, they get released into our body. They can cross the blood brain barrier and they can cause psychological issues. And on top of that, now we have food allergies because we have peanuts in our body when they should be in our gut. But of course our body, the, the person body in, in question might have, you know, a a diminished ability to um, handle those lectins, for example. Mm. So everything that we do, uh, we have to, like, I've been trying to say this for the past two years to people, is like, man, what you eat has such a profound impact on who you are. If we could just understand that, like, so many people, well, first of all, Walgreens, you know, CVS, all these places, they'd start closing places down because, You don't need to go like we don't have if we're eating the right way. And when I say the right way, it just means, you know, at some point, I'm pretty sure I heard my friend Ben say this uh, in a recent podcast. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a point maybe in five to 10 years where we can see like not only our genetics, but our epigenetics, like what happens, what turns on when we do this or that, that can inform us on how to eat not only today, but tomorrow when things are a little bit different where maybe one day like you're, you're eating lower carb because that's what's happening or one day you're eating higher carb. so all that to say if we're eating the right way i really truly think that a lot of these things that we are currently depending on are gonna they're gonna go away like they're, they're gonna stop uh, offering these kids menus or at the very least they're gonna start offering more real food options we're gonna have less people like slaves to you know, Maura used to call it, she used to work at a pharmacy and there would be these people that would come in with bags, bags to take all their meds. Like we got people like with 20 different prescriptions of picking it up, throwing it in their bag and they got their big medicine bag that will go away um, and we'll go, we'll get rid of all of these weird complications that happen once you get, once you start that whole cascade of medicine where you start with one and then you're getting another one and then, oh, by the way, drug interaction, so you got to get this one and then you got to manage this and now you're managing so much and it's so complicated. Um, I think that the culture, if we continue to do the right things, the culture will change, the market will ask for different things and at the very least, we'll have alternatives, you know?
0: I I think that's... um I was wishful thinking. This is I don't mean to be <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to be pessimistic. Yeah, it's definitely we, wishful thinking. We've we've got a couple of things we're kind of pushing against here, right? You know, I think the vegan yep. movement's gonna get bigger before it gets smaller. Um and unfortunately yep. that is pointed us completely in the wrong direction. In my personal opinion, I know it probably be in yours and many others in this space who who feel somewhat enlightened around our evolutionary past and what's the human diet, you know, what What is it that we thrive off? Like the people that understand that and understand, you know, biochemical and, and, you know, biology and really get what's going on in our body know that a vegan diet is not in support of optimal health, but it ain't going away. It's not going away. I I think it's going to balloon before it starts to decrease, if at all. So um, I worry about that. And uh, I I feel that, you know, the keto crowd, the carnivore crowd, the low carb crowd, um, they may look extreme they may look inappropriately obsessive and restrictive around the way in which they operate with their food. But I almost feel as the word that you've used, counterculture, you kind of need an extreme opposite to show that the vegan diet isn't the holy grail of nutrition and life because once people can see and fully understand that someone on carnivore for five years is still thriving, actually their skin looks better than the vegan, he's got more muscle than a vegan, he's got better mood, then, then the <laughs> vegan guy's like, hang on a minute, what's going on? Maybe we've got things slightly wrong. So I appreciate and applaud what you do, albeit I can see some of what you, know, you do and the keto crowd in general can come across a little bit, there is definitely some Over zealotry the there. There's a lot of dog, oh, yeah, dogmatic definitely. opinion, and I don't like that. I don't like how people I don't exclusively I identify with their diet. Um, do you? And I, I know, I know you have you do that because it supports your business and it's what you're known for. But how do you break free from just being the keto guy? Because you're more than a keto guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- that was something that you know some of my mentors in. The last year and a half were telling me, man, you got to change your name. You got to get, you know, and there's several reasons why I changed my name. You know, one of them was that this whole obsession with keto and man, I love keto. I, I really do. Like I, I, I'm i in ketosis probably the, re- the rest of my life. I'll be, you know, in a ketogenic state most of the time. Um, but at the same time, keto is just a state. So you got people going back to the beginning of the conversation who are not eating real food, who are so focused on keeping their carbs under 20, but they're, they're, they're eating a bunch of sweeteners and they're having a bunch of, you know, they're not addressing the problem of this disordered eating where they're having dessert every day. I mean, I don't think it's it's kind of weird to have dessert every day or dessert after every meal. Um, that's where we are. And, Mm -hmm. um, This whole dogma thing, I I, I totally agree, man. It's a big problem and it's such a challenge to try to get people to think further than just yes or no, good or bad, because no matter what I do, if I start talking about, for example, like this summer, I was talking a lot about carbs because I was doing a lot of stuff with carbs, you know, I I felt like a villain at one point, you know, like I felt like I was stirring or steering people in the wrong direction. As much as I tried to say, hey, if you're overweight, if you have insulin resistance, this may not be for you. And I, I, I'm I, like, man, going through every post and every blog and everything that I say and, and going over it with a fine tooth comb, looking at and making sure that I provide all the context I need to provide. And there's still going to be people that be like, you know, look at me like I'm trying to, you know, steer them in the wrong direction or telling them to eat Twinkies, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that dogma, I don't know if we're ever going to get rid of it, but. For me, I, I agree with you. The fact that it's it can be very harmful. I think it's important to have non-negotiables and things that you believe to be true. As far as just because of the way your body responds to it, you know, and and certain things like like I said, like gluten and lectins, I I don't think they're things that we should be consuming often. Like if if you know you like a food and it's one of those um, nostalgia things, and you're gonna have it on Christmas or something like that then yeah, man, go for it, you know. But if it's, if it's something that is not going to, like Gabor Mate, Dr. Gabor Mate calls um, addiction um, anything um, where you you, you you choose to do something for a short ter- short-term gain that provides long-term negative consequences. Yeah. And that could be food, that could be sex, that could be drugs, which is a lot of the time. But that could be, you know, keto. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that could be a lot of things. That that we have this addict mindset where we're not like thinking clearly. That that could be an issue. So I, I I'm I totally agree, man. I I hope that the
0: keto movement um, moves. It I, I hope it it, keep, it keeps in its trenches at the moment because I think there is a fight. There is a fight to explain to the world, you know, what optimum optimum nutrition is. And deal with and debunk so much of the bullshit that we're getting, uh, yeah. you know, fed by vegan propaganda, by um, industry, by processed food industry. That being said, I hope it evolves to one where uh, there's some. You allow the individual to have some intuition,
2: because I agree.
0: Because for me, if I want to have some berries, I want to have some berries. If I want to have yeah. an eat, eat a mess, you know, which is going to be double cream and maybe a bit of strawberries, a bit of blueberries, I want to have that. I'm not going to have it yeah. every day, and why shouldn't I be able to have that once every couple of weeks and it be no issue? If I want to have some sourdough bread, you know, w- you know, once every couple of weeks because we've got a great bakery around the corner, we put la- lashes of butter over the top of that; it tastes amazing. Ooh. Why shouldn't we? And I don't yeah. want to feel guilty because somehow yeah, gluten, gluten, gluten's of- going to kill me. No, it isn't. The, the problem is, is that we are completely over the top consuming the f- foods that you know once was seasonal, once was eaten maybe for a couple of weeks of the year, such as spinach, you know, a couple of months of the year. And now we're eating it every day in our smoothies. That's the problem. So we need to kind that's of break free of this 365 eating of the food that we know can be detrimental to health, but not feel that we can't ever eat them. And, uh, well, and, I kind and of we got to get
1: rid of the moral, the moral judgments on, our, on what we eat. We got to get rid of that. Like you're not a bad person if you eat a food that's not good for you. That's, that's, that's a big one.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, and and obviously, what we, you and I talk about foods that are bad for you are going to sound very different to what someone else thinks are bad for you. I was listening to <laughs> I was listening to Dr. Michael Greger. I, I'm not I'm not a vegan fan, but I wanted to, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to listen to his position, and um, I was rolling my eyes for an hour and a half listening through this podcast. <laughs> but his views of what's good for you uh, are foods which are mostly water. He said, "Oh, you got to have the fruits and vegetables because like they're ninety percent water." I'm like, you're not selling that to me. I want 90% nutrition, <laughs> not 90% water. And then, yeah, do you know what I mean? So the positions that people have around what's good and bad vary dramatically. And it could be such a minefield for people to try and understand what, what's the truth. What's the truth? Yeah. And maybe you can um, give me your opinion on that. I mean, what you've said on this podcast is going to hit, is going to just, um, you know, get accepted easily because people have been listening to me bleating on about this kind of stuff. For others, though, they're going to go, "This is bullshit." Yeah. How 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 do we help people navigate that? And maybe I will lead the witness just a little. I've I've yeah. re- just finished reading a book called Deep Nutrition by Oh that's such a good book. By Kate Shanahan, book, and oh my gosh, love that book. <laughs> oh my gosh! So if book. there was one book that people should read, it's quite long. But she talks about yeah, function, beauty. Long. She talks about health. She talks about the cell biology, how the body works. Like you, well, you read that and tell me you don't, ha- you shouldn't be eating meat. I mean, I, you're clearly reading a different language. I mean, ha- yeah. what's what's the mode? What's the education approach considering people aren't going to
1: read that long book? Well, I, I'll first say that I think that. Um, the approach that's in that book and it's so interesting for us because we've come full circle because my wife and I started like a paleo diet like in 2011 and then we, as always, we're always trying to read and learn more. We started to learn about Weston A. Price and we switched from paleo to Weston A. Price and really the the, the main difference is that Weston A. Price allows for raw dairy. Uh, Weston A. Price, it, it's not so much like focusing on keeping your carbs under 20, as much as it is eating organic produce, preparing it the right way. It's so important to prepare the right, prepare foods the right way to not neglect the foods that are bringing us all this health. Like I'm sure you enjoyed, I enjoyed it so much when I heard her talking about, it was like probably like three quarters of the way through the book. And she's talking about, you know, cookbooks in the 1800s through the 1950s, they had tons and tons of recipes that include awful and include you know eyeballs and 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 liver and 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 meat on the bone and broths and all these things that are just so good for us and we've completely stepped away from that and we we ignore that food that's so cheap and all it takes is a little know-how and then we go to the store and we buy the supplement that's you know a high heat treated you know chemical That's that can be found in much more bioavailable quantities in the food. And we're buying that for like hundreds of times more and we're not absorbing it. And we're just like, it's so weird what we've done. Um, and, and I think that approach is much easier to grasp, um, for a lot of people than the approach of keep your carbs low or just eat meat. Mm. Like as, as much as I love just eat meat. I know that there's a lot of people that aren't like me. Like my favorite food growing up was barbecue. Like I, I I loved meat my whole life. So it's not like, you know, the minute I found out that I can live a life where I don't have to have vegetables to, to like Happy have days. perfect health. <laughs> I was just like, dude, great. But a lot of people don't, you know, they don't, um, they're not going to go for that. So what can we do? We can tell them to eat real food and we can tell them to, to buy local and to think about, all those things that, that, you know, the book talks about, I mean, deep nutrition is great. Weston a price in general, um, you know, Kate Shanahan's involved with them, all of the Sally Fallon, Morrell, all these people have, have not only done a ton of research, um, and they have published papers to back up their stuff. They have all the stuff that Weston a price did himself looking at, you know, populations around the world. So like the most important thing that we can do is to approach this in a nonviolent, communicative way. So, using nonviolent communication. And for anybody who doesn't know what that is, they, they can Google that and there's courses that you can take. And it's just this idea that um, we want to come from a place of common ground. Like, there, I, I was with a vegan um, on this little trip in, to Puerto Rico. And I thought it was great that by the end, she said that she was going to be buying meat for her and her husband, and she was going to be eating some meat, and she was going to be trying a ketogenic diet. And she, that was amazing. But like, when I met her, I saw the fire in her heart, you know, and I, and I saw she is looking at these problems in the world, and she's, she wants to fix the same problems. And, and, you know, these vegans, they want to fix the same problems. Now, some of them are slimy. Yeah, the ones that, you know, stand to make a buck on it. And and there's lots of slimy keto people, too, that that are doing that for that reason as well. But if we could, um, number one, share what you do in your life and don't always try to don't talk at people. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the first one, you know, and and share your story, because, you know, for me, as someone who's an addict, I'm a recovering addict. You know, I know the power of stories like you walk into a room or you go to an AA meeting and you may just be going as a, as a, you know, what's the word as a tourist, you may just be going in there as a tourist saying, "Ah, I don't believe in this, but like you start listening to people's stories and it allows you to examine your own life in a non-threatening way and be like, man, I wonder, I wonder, I mean, could I be doing the same thing in my life? Could, could that work for me too? And that's how I think it works. I think like, leading by example is the first thing and, 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 you know, just not being a dick about it. Like, you know, I don't eat that because, you know, I don't eat sugar and blah, 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 blah. Like, come on, don't be a dick about it. Just like, no, no, thanks. I, I, you know, I don't eat that, you know? And, and if they want to know why they'll ask you, and then they give you that opportunity. But the first rule of communication is that people are only going to value the information they ask for. So all this unsolicited proselytizing is not going to work. So, put your stuff out there on social media. Great. People could follow you or unfollow you. But when you're in a social situation, um, take off your keto hat and be a human being (laughs) and, you know, just have conversations like a human being. I think that's what we're missing. And I don't know, uh, if we'll fix it, uh, if it's something that can ever be fixed, but at the very least, if people are more mindful of what they're saying, like, is it, is it true? Is it, um, necessary? And is it kind? Those three things, if I'm asking myself those three things before I talk, then I'll know. Like, there's some things that are true, but you're a dick for saying them, you know? Don't, don't say that. Like, it's just not appropriate. So, uh, um, I mean, that's just kind of how I see it. We, we, we need to come. I, I want to see more of this, like, plant-based working together with carnivores, for example. Like, why does it have to be us fighting against each other why can't we just say look I, I don't agree with this i mean granted there is a lot of stuff that you know uh, in vegan circles that is based on pure like pixie dust so that that's a problem um but maybe try to come together more i don't know i i i don't know if it's a uh, something say, that we could fix i would say danny that
0: most people want to do the right thing and you, you talk about you talk about slimy people, people that are trying to make money and you know having to um, you know, spin things for, for for the benefit of their business or financial gain. The majority of people I know that are you know trying various diets or do, do vegan diets or you know pr- promoting it um, as a as an average Joe, they're, they're doing it because they believe they're doing the right thing. They believe they're doing the right thing for themselves, for their family, for the people they care for, for the planet. So this isn't about yep. good people, bad people. This is about misinformation, manipulation, and um, uh, the truth being just muddied. Like we, we've escaped from this yeah. idea of um, our ancestors know best, knew best. It's like within just a couple of generations or within 50 to 100 years, our ans- we look back at our ancestors and, say, ancestors and say, oh, they're Muppets. They didn't know what they were doing. We now know. We now know nutrition. We know what it's all about. It's about the supplements. Yeah. It's about the f- pharmaceutical drugs, and it's about what it. Everything in moderation. Fuck everything in moderation. Have you seen what's available to have in moderation? Yeah. And tell me whether we should be having all of those things, <laughs> so including bloody toxins and you know all sorts of rubbish. And Kate Shanahan said a beautiful thing in her book, which was just like the the chefs of old of a hundred, two hundred, three hundred years, and uh, the cookbooks that we you know, the French cuisine and, the, and, you know, the Mediterranean cuisines and the Turkish cuisines. Like the, These guys weren't idiots. They were choosing food. They were cooking foods that taste, tasted amazing. People loved. And they had learned to love them through the experience. If I have those foods, I feel good. If I have those foods, labor is easier. Childbirth is easier. If I have these foods, our kids grow up. You know, you know, big, big, bright smiles, and you know, they grow tall. Diet isn't just hedonism. Diet is, yep. you know, what we're made of ultimately. And you, for us to assume our ancestors didn't work that out, and we have just worked it out over the last few generations, is ridiculous. And I think the more we can go back to old cuisines and go, why don't we? Why don't we look at old cuisines? I'm not talking about. Indigenous tribes per se. I'm just talking about older cuisines. You look back at a Greek. You know, I, I'm, I'm Greek. You know, from Cyprus. Um, look at what they have. I now I can now reflect on what they have and go. Their their diet is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought I knew better, and so did everyone else. And they have yeah. a lot of meat, a lot of fish, a lot of halloumi and cheese, dairy, and they they have they have some you know salad. But it's, it's they're not having tons of vegetables, they're just having a bit of salad. That seems perfect yep. to me. It's so funny yeah, how we've man. just got so lost, man.
1: Yeah, we, we we really have, man. I I I I think it's interesting, like the book, for example, like she mentions this one part where these women in these in some of these tribes, they knew to keep the men away from the mothers who had just given birth because they knew that how disastrous it would be for them to get pregnant again yeah. and they kept them away for years like they, like I think it was like 3 years was what the traditional knowledge was like chill it takes time to build a human and you know nowadays you know you can schedule your you know your your C section and and everything is like we have so much um, medical, you know, advancements and so many, so much technology that that we've completely forgotten that that ancient wisdom. Why do my Why does my grandmother soak black beans overnight and throw it out and do it a few times before she she cooks it? She she if she were to she tell you, she clearly didn't know what tell, she was
0: doing. <laughs> we know better. Yeah, now. <laughs> she,
1: maybe maybe she thinks maybe she thinks it tastes better, but she might not even know yeah. why she's doing it. Just it's just been done for she's so been long.
0: Passed because, on for so long. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So people like are doing that. And and like, you know, it's it reminds me of what I went through with my dad, man. Like when I was 17 years old, I thought my dad didn't know shit. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a whole different generation. Things are different now. And literally, like by the time I was 20, 21, I was like, man, there is nothing. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Like different. You know, the body on the car is different. That's about it. I mean, everything else. is Social media like is here, is, right? That makes it different. Social for, media for people to relate to yeah, me but, might
0: be sixty, but hey, you know their wisdom is worth
1: listening to. Yeah, man, they, 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 we 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 all always put like science on this pedestal because we assume that it's it's real truth. Like when you see something published and it's pretty, we assume that it's science, and and we shouldn't. And and then everything else is just like conjecture, and everything else is not based upon anything, but I mean, that, that, that traditional way of doing things, as far as like food goes, it, it came, it was for a reason, you know, like how did we survive as a species? We had to figure out how to process food outside of our bodies. Like 100%. I love Dr. Bill Schindler's work. I don't know if you've heard of stuff. Yeah, he's, like we had he's to do amazing. that because we're not, he's amazing. he's amazing. Cause he's like talking about, we're not carnivores. We're not vegans. You know, yeah, we do better with meat because like we're we have the benefit of being able to use that finable that final usable form of energy that cows and ruminants and all these other animals work so hard to turn into fat from those plants. We're taking we don't the up, have to do upcycled
0: that. nutrition of, you know, cellulose and having the most nutritionally dense food, right? And that's what's allowed us to yeah. thrive. And 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 I think unfortunately we've we've looked at food that's really survival food and we've put it on a pedestal survival food and the yeah.
1: poor people around the world they they eat that they don't have a choice exactly. and like you have rich people going out of their way to eat peasant food
0: i know it's, I, it, weird. it's just really fucked up and <laughs> <I, I>, we're <laughs> we're <still laughs> on the same page cuz i i just i look at it and go but there's just so this it, this whole thing is completely backwards you know it really should be it shouldn't i'm not saying everyone should go carnival i'm not saying the world can sustain seven and a half billion people eating carnival. Of course <laughs> we can't.
2: I agree. But we just need yeah. to
0: move away from this idea that somehow vegetables are innately better for us and meat is somehow bad for us. I mean, we just got to stop that narrative because it is bullshit. And then find a way to balance your diet and get enough nutrition, especially as children, because they need it. Because i have been seeing my kids... Absolutely thrive with no ailments. I mean, last anecdote, and we're going to close on this. We, don't, we won't touch on the muscle building stuff. Maybe that could be a part two. Um, but my daughter was swimming over the weekend. She had a swimming meet, an important one. Uh, she came back with six medals, for, uh, wow. four golds, two Good silvers, broke six club records uh, over the weekend. Is is being touted as you know a kid to watch, and wow. hey, she's got she's got something going for her, which isn't just nutrition but she we give her glucose tablets we'll put her in a bag and say like if you need them they're there like she was doing some big races some long ones as well and if you need them they're there if you if you feel you need them and she was doing a 200 meter and she's only nine and I'm like look they're there if you want them she completely forgot to have them she had six races she didn't have them (laughs) at at all I said why didn't you have them she said I just didn't think I needed them what did she have before she had some eggs in in the morning and she had some like steak and chips or something like that um just before she went to go for her races fueled her for the for both days she performed amazingly pbs across the board um wow. smiley kid great skin fantastic at school uh, polite to be with kind and same applies for my my younger daughter and i go like okay maybe 100, not 100% of that is 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 food, maybe part of it is some of its genetics, and some of its parenting, what have you. But I know we're doing the best for our our child. And we can see it because she was dealing with upset stomach. She used to have like, uh, load, she used to basically have just beige plates of food every day for like four, four years of her upbringing. Uh, And she had issues. She's got zero issues now. And I just feel that she's Amazing. thriving. She's not just hanging around, just making do. She's, and and I love that. And that's why I get so passionate about what you do because what you're doing is you're you're not you're not holding back on on some of the yucky stuff like the amount of liver you're having. Like most people go, what the
2: fuck's <laughs> wrong with this dude?
1: <laughs> but you get it. You yeah, get the memo. Well, they see my meal today. I made. I ground up some brain and some uh, ground beef and some beef fat, and then I threw – I didn't want to grind up a liver. I didn't have it defrosted, so I took – this this company sent me this desiccated liver powder, and I took like two tablespoons of that and threw it in there. You can't even taste it. You're getting all the vitamins from it. I mean that's not entry level. That's like varsity level, you know (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> varsity level knows to tail eating. Uh, but you know, like we're all on, we're all on the same journey. We're just on a different part of the journey and some of us may, may get off on a different exit because we don't feel the need at all. Uh, but that's what I tell people like, you know, especially with eating a carnivore diet, like you have people like Charlene and Joe Anderson, those people eat grain fed steaks every single day. They don't eat liver. They don't eat anything. They're aged. They've aged backwards. Um, you know, I personally choose to eat as much as possible grass fed, locally sourced, and nose to tail. And, you know, that's just my preference. But apparently, you don't need to do that. I mean, there may be some instances, some genetic issues where people may need to include more of the organs and stuff because, uh, you know, methylation issues or, or any other type of issues with other vitamins and minerals. But yeah, it's, 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 Basically, finding what works—it's that mix of sustainability, with you know having like the perfect diet because you can't. The perfect diet is is bullshit if you're not able to do it. That's not a perfect diet.
0: You got to sustain it, and and you, you might not need liver, um, but if this is about op, this is about living your best life, right? And we there, I, yeah. there's no no one that can say. Uh, meat in general, red meat and the various um, awful parts of meat. Uh, We had um, oxtail a couple of days ago. Absolutely amazing. amazing. Do I need it, need it? Maybe, maybe not. But I know there's nutrition in there. Why would I not have it? Why would I not have it? Why would I not have the liver? Why would I not learn to re-like chicken pate and and stuff like that? And you know what? The more you get used to having these kind of foods again, you realize just how flavorful they are. You've got to get accustomed to it. Listen, Danny, it has been an absolute pleasure. I knew I was going to hit it off with you, man. I wish we spoke about yeah. the muscle stuff, but hopefully you can promise that we can do a part two and we can uh, we can understand that a bit more because I'm sure our audience want to know how to do a low carb and get jacked. But that's for next time. Danny.
1: Oh, dude, let's do that. Let's, let's do that. I'll do another part. I'll send you uh, some information uh, on, like I'll send you some of my presentations that you can look at. And we can do a deep dive because I think that's really important, you know, like training the right way because some people are hellbent on staying strict keto. And I love that. I have nothing against it. But if you want to be doing that, then you got to understand the considerations. And in general, I like I think it's important for people to learn how to train. You know, too many people are not training the right way. They're not going in there to, to, to train they're going in there to to check a box. And uh, oh, whether you're totally keto great. or not, that's not going to work.
0: Oh, man. I just had two amazing podcasts with Christian Fibordo and Paul Carter. Oh, yeah. I love and Christian Fibodeau, Yeah. And they schooled me big style on training. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he put, knows
1: his stuff, man. Oh, I, he's a real smart guy.
0: Yeah, so so yeah, we're 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 on this journey together on the Adapt Nation podcast to continue to educate ourselves and refine. But can't wait to get you back on to talk about uh, your training uh, ideas and obviously the nutrition side of it. Danny, tell tell us where uh, people can learn more about you, potentially engage with your services, your podcast. Just let's close on a little bit of a plug.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. dannyvega.ms. Um, and then our podcast, the fat fuel family podcast is, uh, you can f- find that on our website. Our blog is family, and, uh, that's got the podcast, got coaching all the stuff, articles, all that good stuff.
0: Fantastic. Good stuff, man. And, um, any speaking events or anything that people need to be aware of, uh, happening in the next couple months or. I, I just wish I could blog? say
1: I wish I could say I, I had anything in the UK. Uh, I, I, I just did like a little sprint here for like four weeks. I did Dallas, uh, Bloomington, Indiana, Miami, and then Puerto Rico. And I don't have anything until January the 10th. I'll be in Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska for the Omaha Keto Summit. Um, other than that, internationally next year, I, I will be doing a few more Spanish events because I'm Cuban. So, um, you know, Chile, uh, Colombia, I got to find a way to get to the UK, to get yeah. to Europe ben, in general. Ben was over.
0: I met with Ben when he came over for oh, that Optimization Summit. Oh, that's fantastic, man. So we need to get oh, you over. Great. Maybe you, you can come join him next year.
1: Oh, yeah. I'd love that, man. I'd love that. He had really good things to say about that summit. And it's funny because you mentioned the Michael Greger quote about you know 90% water. And I, I just remembered something that Ben told me about the uh, the summit that, you know they were talking about you know deuterium depleted water and the fact that you know you shouldn't be drinking too much water yeah. because water has so much deuterium in it and if you're not getting the right water then you know deuterium seems to be at the heart of a bunch of stuff which is you know a, a whole different conversation but yeah I'd love to I'd love to go to that next year yeah
0: you're messing with people's minds man don't tell people they can't <laughs> have water as well or you're just gonna completely fuck them up cool. yeah man. <laughs> All right, Danny. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. We'll get this out in a couple of weeks' time. I'll get you the details once it is done. And I can't wait for our part two. Enjoy your week, man. Look after your kids. Same to you, man. Take care. See you later, man. Bye. Bye. Wow. What an episode. What an episode. It was jam-packed full of goodness. And I hope that there's a lot of takeaways here for you. Now, please remember that the Be Your Best self-optimization program is imminently available. And you can go check that out by going to adaptnation.io and on the homepage, there will be a notify button. Press that and you will get notified as soon as it drops. And you're going to want to see this. This is a game-changing product. Anyway, until next time, I'll let you crack on and be your best.
1: If you enjoy this show, please
0: consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And, of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adapnation.io, or your favourite
1: social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening.